Welcome to the Radio Detective Story Hour podcast. You can leave comments by going to the website at rdsh.otr.com or send me an email to otrpodcast at gmail.com. My Twitter account is at Radio Detective, all one word. Prior to and after the commercialization of radio, many people found entertainment in the many magazines and pulps which were ubiquitous at that time. There literally were magazines for everyone, from a more upscale Saturday Evening Post, Harper's Weekly, and others, to more generalized, such as Muncie's Magazine and McClure's. Muncie's success led to Golden Argosy, which appealed also to young audiences. All were generally finished with their neat, trimmed edges. But soon experiments began which led to the pulps, which were unfinished with their ragged edges and cheaper paper. Argosy, True Detective, Dime Detective, and many others began to pop up in addition to magazines appealing to the romance side of human interest. These were all the cheaper entertainment by which many people afforded their pleasure. By the time radio drama began to develop, There were many short stories and serials from these magazines that were beginning to be picked up by radio. Some of these led to early daytime serials appealing to women. Even those with an interest in crime-oriented subjects were enamored by the lighter detective stories of S.S. Van Dyne's Philo Vance, Dorothy Sayers' Lord Peter Whimsey, and Agatha Christie's Poirot. One of the elements these detectives had in common is that they were urbane sophisticates working privately and often hired by wealthy clients. Their detective work bordered on a light-touched crime. Their circles were often urbane couples and lavish gatherings such as racetracks, society parties, and so on. As the likes of these detectives found their way to radio series, many more were beginning to be aired including Ellery Queen, and to some extent Sherlock Holmes. One such series that was heard beginning in 1945 was Mystery is My Hobby. This series eponymously demonstrated the amateur detective. The leading character was one Barton Drake, who was a popular and well-known crime writer who himself dabbled in solving crimes. The series, when it first began over the Mutual Network, was called Murder is My Hobby. But upon securing a sponsor, the Mutual Benefit Life Insurance Company, it was felt investigating murders might not sit too well with the sponsor's clients, so the name was changed to Mystery is My Hobby. The fact that this series is around today is in itself an example of why some survived and others did not. The Mutual Network, unlike CBS and NBC, did not have private phone lines connecting stations with the network. Distribution of many of their series had to be transcribed and distributed around the country to stations that purchased the broadcast rights locally for a flat fee and then on their own sold additional advertising to supplement their local station. Thus, the transcription discs often survive to today. 
Mystery is My Hobby starred a minor film actor named Glenn Langan, whose handsome looks betray his rather light, sophisticated voice. As Barton Drake, he appeared in the stories with a sidekick, as so many of these series utilized, but this one with a twist. His sidekick is a police inspector, one Noah Danton, who pales next to Drake. Of course, this is on purpose, as many radio detective sidekicks seem to be used to make their leading men look even smarter and wittier. For a police inspector, he seemed a weak bulb, approaching people very coarsely and often requiring Drake to explain how he solved the crime. Drake's solutions are often quite weak and somewhat unexplained even to listeners. They often had to take it on faith that all elements of the solution connected. Certainly, based upon what listeners heard, a prosecutor would have a hard time convicting someone unless they overtly confessed their crime in the end, which is often what happened. The series is light enough in overall tone that it could have passed for a daytime drama, but such was the tastes of listeners born out of the stories they previously had read in the pulps and slicks of the day. Because of distribution by transcription, these types of programs contained a lot of organ bridge music where the bridge music could be faded, allowing the commercial to be inserted. You'll hear that here as you might if you listen to episodes of the Ziv transcriptions of Philo Vance with Jackson Beck. Expect a much lighter detective story as you listen to my Christmas offering, Boston for Christmas, from Mystery is My Hobby, as heard over Mutual in 1947. Merry Christmas. a year ago this Christmas Eve. Inspector Noah Danton and I had gone up to Boston to attend the famous carol singing festivities at Beacon Hill. Come on, Inspector, let's hurry along. There'll be several thousand people on the hill. We don't want to miss anything. Okay, okay. I'm walking as fast as I can. 
Say, uh, Bart. Yes, Inspector. Is it true that folks who live on Beacon Hill leave their shades up and their doors unlocked on Christmas Eve? Yes, it certainly is. Why? Why? The Christmas spirit, Inspector. The spirit of goodwill toward men and peace on earth. Uh, didn't know that Bostonians were so trusting. I beg your pardon. Uh-oh, I stuck my foot at that time. You certainly did. You were born somewhere around Boston, weren't you, Bart? Yes, in a little town called West Medway, about 25 miles out in the country. Never heard of it. A group of us used to come in every year to hear the carol singing at Beacon Hill on Christmas Eve, Inspector. Oh, those were the days. And me? I was born in Brooklyn. We always figured Boston is sort of a small town. It's going to be good to see it all again. The carolers, lighted windows, the bell ringers. Chicago, Philadelphia, Atlanta, all the other small towns. The bell ringers? What the heck are they? A group of people dress up in bright red costumes and move from house to house ringing their bells and singing, Inspector. It's a very old tradition. I'm surprised you haven't heard of it. That's a funny thing about Bostonians. What's that, Inspector? They worry a lot because their traditions don't get around more. <laughs> I see what you mean, Inspector. Well, here we are at Charles Street. Hey, watch the lights, Inspector. Oh, don't worry about me. I've seen a traffic light before. I don't act like it. Surprised to find anything so modern in Boston, though. Listen, Inspector. Yeah, it's kind of pretty, isn't it? Isn't it? I think they're up near Louisburg Square. I don't hear any bells. It's talking to you, Bart. Hmm? Oh, hello, Sonny. What's in your mind? Uh, are you Barton Drake? Must be somebody from West Medway. Yes, I'm Barton Drake. How did you know? Well, I read a lot of your books, Mr. Drake, and well. your picture was in the paper this morning. They told me that you were going up to the carol singing tonight. So, being a detective yourself, you trailed us, eh, Sonny? Oh, no, sir. I figured you'd come along this way. I've been waiting here since 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock? Say, Bob, you must be frozen stiff. Oh, no, sir. I'm not very cold. Anyway, it won't matter if Mr. Drake will, will help us. Help who, Sonny? What's wrong? Well, it's my sister and dad. And me. Well, all three of you, eh? What's your name, Sonny? And what's the trouble? I'm Jimmy Christian, and... Well, my dad, he's in trouble. Bad trouble, Mr. Drake. Well, tell me about it, Jimmy. Well, well, my dad... Well, you see, my dad... Yes, go on. Dad, he... He murdered a man last night. Jumping Judas, Bob, your dad isn't a jam. Well, he didn't really do it. I know he didn't. My dad couldn't hurt anybody. He's the most, most wonderful man that ever lived. He, he just wouldn't hurt anybody. I'm sure he wouldn't, Jimmy. Inspector, suppose we stepped over to that drugstore in the corner and order up some hot chocolates, hmm? I'm sure our young friend will find it easier to talk if we get in out of the cold. Yeah, yeah, it's a good idea. I always say hot chocolate is just the thing to bolster up a man's spirits. Good, eh? How about another, Jimmy? Oh, no, thanks, Mr. Drake. Gee, that was swell. Uh, maybe we ought to have a slug of soda pop or something. Uh, Jimmy looks to me like a man whose eyes are getting bigger than his stomach. Well, I, I guess I did eat more than I should. You see, Dad hasn't worked for a long time. and Well, not much, I mean, since Joe was killed in Germany. I don't blame Dad, though. He and Joe were... Well, he and Joe were sort of important to each other. I see. Is, um... Was Joe your brother, Jimmy? Yes, sir. He's a lot older than me, though, and 
Then there's my sister, Mary. She's older, too. So you and your dad and your sister live together, eh, Bob? Yes, sir. Tell me, Jimmy, uh, your dad's sick, hmm? Well, sir, sort of. I mean, he is a lot of the time. You see, after he heard about Joe... Well, you see, Dad's got some friends that he meets at a place called Harry's Bar. So that's it. Inspector. All right, Jimmy. Now, you tell us what happened last night. Well, sir, Dad was with some of his friends until kind of late. And then he started home alone. At the corner of Beacon and Foster Streets, there was a man... Someone jumped him, eh? Yes, sir, that's it. And I guess they had a pretty terrific fight. And your dad killed the other man, Jimmy? I... I guess so. Hmm. It was in the papers this morning. What was in the papers? That a man was found on Beacon Street near Gloucester. And he was pretty well cut up, too. Police figure he was hit by an automobile. Do they know who the man was, Jimmy? No, sir. They hadn't found out this morning, anyway. And nobody knows that your dad was in the neighborhood except you and your sister? Huh? No, sir. Well, then, for crying out loud... But your dad is quite sure that the dead man is the one he had the fight with. Oh, yes, sir. He says he's committed murder and he's going to give himself up to the police. He says that's what Joe would want him to do. He says he could never live in peace having a a murder on his mind. That's too bad. All murderers don't feel that way. I could retire. Jimmy, uh, has your dad uh, been to the police yet? No, sir. Mary and I made him promise he'd wait till after Christmas. We know he didn't do it, sir. Well, Dad just couldn't kill anybody. And then you read in the papers about Barton Drake. Oh, I read about you, too, Inspector Danton. Is that a fact? Well, well. (laughs) What did it say, huh? Was my picture in the paper, too? You know very well it was, Inspector. You bought at least a dozen copies. Oh, now, Bart, let the boy talk if he wants to. You can ask him to tell you all about this later, but right now we've got more important things to talk with Jimmy about. Do Do you mean you'll help Dad, Mr. Drake? Oh, boy, now, wait, wait, wait a minute, jump. Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Let's not jump to conclusions. Perhaps we can't help at all, but I think we can go out and have a talk with your dad. It's only a little further. You're not getting tired, are you, Inspector Dan? Me? Tired? Walking? <laughs> I love it. That's why I have flat feet. <laughs> have you always lived in this neighborhood, Jimmy? Yes, sir. Just down here's a little way. Down this alley? Well, it, it isn't really an alley. I, well, Dad says it used to be a famous street. Oh. Here we are, up these steps. Well, Jimmy, I see you've got a Christmas tree in the window. Oh, yes, sir. Mary and I saved up and bought it. We figured if we had a tree and things, well, it'd make Dad feel better. Looks kind of nice at that. Come on in. Boy, Mary will sure be surprised. She said I was crazy if I thought I could get Barton Drake to come here. Don't forget me, bub. Hey, Mary! Dad! He's here! Barton Drake is here! Jimmy, what in the world? Jimmy, who are these men? It's Barton Drake and Inspector Noah Danton. Don't you recognize them? I told you they'd come if I asked them. I told you. Good evening. I suppose you're Jimmy's sister, Mary. Why, it is Barton Drake. Well, sure it is. Who'd you think it was? Oh. And this is Inspector Danton. Hi. Well, won't you sit down? I, I hardly know what to say. Jimmy, you shouldn't have done this. Well, sure I should. Mr. Drake will prove that Dad didn't murder anybody, won't you, Mr. Drake? Uh, well, I don't know, Jimmy, but I'd uh, like to talk to your dad if I may. I'm sorry Jimmy put you to all this trouble, Mr. Drake, but I'm afraid there's nothing anyone can do. On the contrary, I think your father'd be making a mistake if he gave himself up to the police pleading murder. Now, wait a minute, Bart. Murder's murder. Not unless it's deliberate, Inspector. According to Jimmy's story, Mr. Christian was attacked. 
If death resulted from the fight that followed, it could reasonably be called self-defense. I knew it. I knew Mr. Drake could figure out something. I'm afraid Jimmy didn't tell you everything, Mr. Drake. Oh? You see, the police believe that the man who was found on Beacon Street this morning was hit by an automobile. Yes, I know. Jimmy told us that. Sure, I did. I told him everything. Please, Jimmy. Dad feels that sooner or later they'll catch the hit-and-run driver, Mr. Drake. He feels that someone might go to prison for his crime. Well, why doesn't he wait until that happens? Well, it's hard to explain, gentlemen. Ever since my brother Joe was reported killed in action, Dad's conscience has been bothering him. Somehow he feels that what happened to Joe is his fault. So he gets pie-eyed every night at Harry's bar, eh? Don't you talk that way about my dad. He only does what he does because he feels so bad about okay, Joe. Okay, Bob, okay. Is your father at home, Miss Christian? It won't do any good to talk to him. I know it won't. I'm sorry that Jimmy put you to all this trouble. Well, since we have gone to the trouble, I'd like to talk to your father, if I may. I'm sorry, but Who he... Who wants to talk to Noel Christian? Oh, Dad! Hi, Dad. Hey, guess who these men are? They're Barton Drake and Inspector Noah Dent, and that's who. Barton Drake? The criminologist? Yes. That's right, Mr. Christian. I'm Drake. This is Inspector Noah Denton. Hi. So they found out, huh? They know I'm a murderer. On the contrary, Mr. Christian, we hope to prove that you're not a murderer. Well, gentlemen, I'm ready to go with you, and it's a relief. Believe me, it is. It isn't easy to live with one's conscience. But, Dad, you don't understand. These men are here to help you. Help me? <laughs> There's no help for a murderer, daughter. Isn't that right, Inspector Dem? What? Oh, sure, yeah, that's right. No help for a murderer. You bet. You see, the inspector knows. If Joe were here, he'd understand. Joe is... was my son, gentlemen. Since he was killed, I, I've been trying to live as I know he would want me to. By forgetting your responsibilities toward your other children, Mr. Christian? Why the idea? Young man, you don't realize what you're saying. I realize perfectly well what I'm saying, Mr. Christian. There isn't one man in a million who would give himself up to the police, claiming he was a murderer, especially when there was a chance of his getting out of it unless he were a complete fool. I don't think you're a fool, Mr. Christian. Hey, you can't talk to my dad like that. I wish now I'd never even asked you... Mr. Drake, I think you'd better leave. Very well, Miss Christian. No, 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 wait. Yes? Your words interest me, Mr. Drake. You say I'm not a fool. Why, then, do you think I'm giving myself up to the police? I think you're affecting a pose, Mr. Christian. A pose? Yes. Please understand, this is only a theory of mine. Frankly, the moment I saw you, I lost interest in what first appeared to be an interesting case. Go on, please. I can sympathize with your grief over the loss of your son, Joe, but... I cannot sympathize with the cowardly way you have pressed the burden of your grief on your two other children. What do you mean? Just this. You attempted to drown your grief and drink. Possibly you lost your job as a result. You were forced to move into this squalid neighborhood. Then you became ashamed of your weakness and pride forced you to use Joe as your excuse. Is that all? Well, Mr. Christian, that's only a beginning. You felt that sooner or later, Mary and Jimmy would begin to question this grief of yours. So last night, you were attacked. This morning, there was an account in the papers of a body being found near the spot where you'd been set upon. And so? And so you saw an opportunity to make a hero of yourself by pretending your grief over Joe's loss was forcing you to give yourself up as a murderer. You don't think uh, I am a murderer, then? Nor do you, Mr. Christian. You feel confident in your mind that the police will laugh at your confession. On the other hand, you will have gained the adulation of your son and daughter who will continue to worship and support you. That's a pretty harsh accusation, Drake. Yes, the truth is most always harsh, Christian. You're a weakling and a coward man. Your only salvation lies in yourself, not in... Sam. I'll go, Dad. It's a policeman. That's right, my boy. A policeman looking for a Mr. Noel Christian. Oh, no. I'm Christian. 
What do you want? Ah, it is a pity what I wanted this Christmas Eve, Mr. Christian. Well, go on. Speak up. What is it? Well, sir, it seems, Mr. Christian, there was a barroom brawl at Harry's bar last night. You were there, were you not, Mr. Christian? Well? And it seems you punched the nose of a gentleman named Charlie Augustus, Mr. Christian. He deserved it? Oh, oh, I have no doubt but that he did, sir. But tell me, did he deserve being murdered now? Murdered? Yes, sir. On Bacon Street near Gloucester, his body was found. At first, we thought it was the work of a hit-and-run driver. It was, wasn't it? No, no, Mr. Christian, that's where you're wrong, I think. Witnesses are out who claim that this Charles Augustus followed you after you left Hattie's bar in a fight ensued. That's a lie. It wasn't Charlie. No, no. Who else was it then? Charlie's body was discovered dead. Ah, pity it is, Mr. Christian, on a Christmas Eve, too. But the lad be arresting you for the murder of Charles Augustus. Come along now. <laughs> This is a heck of a way to spend Christmas. Sorry, Inspector. That's our help. You invite me up to hear the carol singers and what happens. You tell me that on Christmas Day we'll go out to your old hometown. And what Inspector, happens? Inspector, if you prefer You'll... to return to New York, there are trains leaving the South Station every hour. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. Huh. Well, Inspector... What do you mean, well, Inspector? Are you returning to New York, or are you uh, sticking on the job? Sticking on it. You're a cute kid. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> Inspector, you're terrific. I knew you wouldn't desert me. Oh, you did? Yeah. Well, don't think for a minute that I'm giving in. Don't oh, think Oh, well, of I... course not, Inspector. <laughs> well, here we are. Here we are where? Harry's bar. Come on, let's go in. I don't know what you expect to find in here. Well, the joint's empty anyhow. Yes, I see it is. However, since the door was unlocked, someone... Here's someone. Oh, morning, gents. Merry Christmas. <laughs> What'll it be? Good morning. Nothing to drink, thanks. Are you, uh, Harry? Yeah, I'm Harry. How'd you know? I've never seen you before. I... Wait a minute. You do look kind of familiar. The guy must read the papers. I'm Barton Drake, Harry. This is Inspector Noah Denton. Hi. Right? Hi. Drake, huh? Oh, sure, sure, I remember. Now your picture was in the hail the other day. Oh, mine was there, too. Was it? Yeah. I didn't see it. Huh. <laughs> We're investigating a murder, Harry, and we thought that perhaps you could help us. A murder, huh? Who got that name? A man named Charles Augustus. Do you know him? Charlie? Oh, I'll say I do. He was a troublemaker, always starting fights. Couldn't hold his leg here. I... Who knocked him off? We don't know yet, Harry. I understand there was a fight here two nights ago. Oh, 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 I'll say there was a beaut. Yeah. There's most always a fight when Charlie's around. Well, and uh, what started this fight, Harry? Well, I don't know. Charlie made a crack about no Christian's kid, Joe, the one who got killed overseas. Mm -hmm. Some of the boys took exceptions to it and jumped him. Some of the boys. Wasn't Christian here? Sure, sure, he was here, but he didn't do nothing. He was swacked. Oh, he was. Okay. Yeah. Anyone get hurt? What? No more than usual. Charlie got cut up a little, I guess. I... Only let him fight three or four minutes. Charlie's kind of sickly and can't take too much of that pummel. Well, what happened after the fight? Nothing. 
Charlie got sick to his stomach and went outside. Couldn't come back. And what time did Noel Christian start for home? Oh, I'd say. Oh, was about 11 o'clock, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was pretty well plastered. Do you happen to know where the Christians uh, live, Harry? I don't know. I've walked Noel home enough times. And uh, how does Christian get home when you don't walk him? Well, he's got a system. He goes straight down Gloucester, crosses Beacon, and keeps on at the river. Yeah. The river's sort of a landmark for him, see? So he keeps it in sight till he comes to the Esplanade Shell, then he goes up and across Charles. Oh, he's never missed yet. Well, two nights ago he missed. He wasn't so drunk. Inspector. Uh, uh, what's the matter? What did I hey, do? Hey, 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 wait a minute. Huh? Wait a minute. You two ain't saying it was Noel that knocked off Charlie, are you? Ho, 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 that's a hot one. Noel wouldn't hurt a flea. Everyone knows that. I... Look. You don't think that Noel really murdered Charlie, do you? No, Harry, as a matter of fact, we don't. In fact, we're sure he didn't. Come along, Inspector. We're going to have a talk with Officer Clancy. Oh, sure, sure, I understand, Mr. Drake. Only it's Christmas, you see, and, well, I was planning on being with the kids. That's right, Clancy, it's Christmas. And no Christian is spending the day in jail for a crime he didn't commit. No, no, just a minute, Mr. Drake, just a minute. There was a man who seen Christian coming along Cluster Street and recognized him. So what? He didn't see Christian murder anyone, did he? Well, sir, he seen somebody jump on Christian, and it was me who discovered Charlie's body later on while I was doing my regular beat. And since you learned there was a fight at Harry's Bar earlier in the evening, you assumed that it was Charlie who attacked Christian, is that it? Well, sir, knowing that the fight was about Christian's son, Joe, now, wouldn't you assume... We'll ask the questions, Clancy, me by... Clancy... In your report, you stated that you discovered Charlie's body on Beacon Street around the corner from Gloucester. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's correct, sir. Would you mind coming with us and pointing out the identical spot where you first saw the body? Well, sir, you see, it being Christmas and I... I know it's Christmas. Now, look, either you'll come along or I'll get in touch with your boss, who happens to be a friend of mine, and... uh... Well, under those circumstances, sir, I'll come. Gentlemen, here we are. I was right there that I discovered the body. Okay. But how do you know that this is the corner of Beacon and Gloucester Streets? All the signposts are covered with snow. I beg your pardon, sir, but if you've lived in Boston as long as I have, you'd know when you're at the corner of two streets. (laughs) We can't argue that, Inspector. This is Clancy's regular beat. He ought to know where he is. (laughs) Thank you very much, Mr. Drake. Now, if I've done all I can... Just a minute, Clancy. I've uh, one of my cards here somewhere. Here we are. And would you be good enough to jot down briefly a description of where we are? Oh, it's all in my report, sir. Yes, yes, I know it is. But you see, the inspector and I are strangers in Boston. We'd like your personal description for future references. Well, it's against regulations, Uh, sir. Heck with regulations. Write it down. Let's get out of here. I'm cold. I'm sorry, sir. I can't obey your orders without permission from the sergeant. Well, for God's sake, get permission. No, 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 never mind, inspector. I've uh, changed my mind. I don't think we'll need it. Clancy, I'm sorry, but you have to come with us while an autopsy is performed on the body of Charles Augustus. Good evening. 
Drake. Aren't you satisfied with what you've done? I'm sorry you feel that way, Miss Christian. I assure you I'm here this time for a very different purpose. Hello, Jimmy. Hello. Well, not a very cheerful atmosphere for Christmas night. What do you expect? We'd planned such a nice Christmas for Dad. And you're going to have a nice Christmas, I assure you. Oh, sure, a nice Christmas with Dad in jail and Joe dead and everybody else having a party. All right, Mr. Christian, inside with you. Oh, Dad! Hello, kid. Merry Christmas. Well, Dad, what happened? Oh, gosh, Dad, you really didn't kill anybody, did you? Did you, huh, really? (laughs) I guess not, son. But I'll let Inspector Danton and Mr. Drake tell you about it. Well, there isn't a great deal to tell. Inspector, have you the autopsy report? Yeah, I got it. Charlie Augustus died a heart attack and exposure just like you figured, Bart. Heart attack? But I thought you it see, was... You see, your father wasn't sure that the man who attacked him was Charlie Augustus, Miss Christian. Oh. It was reading about his death in the paper the next morning that gave him the idea. Oh, Dad. I, I'm sorry, Mary. The things that Mr. Drake said about me last night were the truth. I, well, I saw a chance to make you kids well, think... Well, what of it? Doesn't make any difference. Now that we know you didn't murder anybody. Thanks, son. Things will be different from now on. Losing Joe was kind of hard to take. Yes. There's a lot of fathers in the same spot, Christian. They all find it hard to take. But somehow they do take it, and it's that sort of spirit that makes heroes out of chaps like Joe. You're right, of course. I know it now, and things will be different. Oh, Daddy, it's just as though Joe were here. As though he heard you and, and was grinning at us and saying... That's well, Dad. Merry Christmas. Hey, wait a minute. How did you know it wasn't Dad who murdered Charlie Augustus, Mr. Drake? How'd you find out then? Well, <laughs> it wasn't very hard, Jimmy. Harry, the owner of the bar, told us that your father didn't take part in the fight. And he also told us that Charles Augustus was sickly. So we had an autopsy performed to determine the exact nature of his death. Well, sure, sure, but how did you know? How did you guess? Don't ask him how he guessed, Bob. Drake never guesses. <laughs> Go on, Bob, tell him. No, I... I think I'll let uh, Officer Clancy do the honors. How about it, Clancy? <laughs> well, no, sir, that kind of puts me in a spot. What's no fault of mine, I'll have you know. I, I thought it was a hit-and-run drive when I first found the body. Then my report was all handed in, and if Inspector Danton hadn't squared things with the sergeant, I'd been in a fine fix. But what happened? Why would you be in a fine fix? Well, miss, you see, it was like this. It seems that your dad there had a system of coming home. He always walked straight down Gloucester Street to the river, so he did. Which was something I didn't know at the time. Come on, come on, get to the point. <laughs> well, so you see, the signboards were covered with snow. So I couldn't see how to spell the name Gloucester. Gloucester's a stickler to spell, and, <laughs> well, me being a poor speller anyways, I, thinking that it was the work of a hit-and-run driver, I said to myself, says I, toward make no difference now if I just lug this body around the corner to Beacon Street, which is a first-class easy one to spell his eyes. <laughs> so that's the reason. And because the fi- body was found on Beacon... And Dad came straight down Gloucester. Well, I'll be a whiskerless Santa Claus. Oh, gee, holy gee, this is swell. This is the swellest Christmas we ever had. Oh, it certainly is. Listen, everybody, let's sing Christmas carols. That's the ticket. Can anyone play the piano? Can anyone play the piano? The inspector's practically a genius with the ivories. Come on, inspector, strike up a carol. Oh, now, oh, please. Please, inspector. Oh, come on, inspector, it's Christmas. Okay, okay, you talked me into it. What'll it be, everybody? How about Hawk the Herald Angels sing? Yeah, and it came upon the midnight clear. Children, we thought this was going to be such an unhappy Christmas. <laughs> let's sing, uh, Oh, Come All Ye Faithful. Oh,
Thanks for listening to another episode of the Radio Detective Story Hour. I'll be back next time with another drama of suspense. <laughs>